In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. I hope your day is going beautiful. Wanted to weigh in a little bit on this odd situation happening in Ukraine. Particularly the Azovstal steel plant in the Ukraine. Been noticing a lot of interesting rhetoric regarding the plant. And I wanted to share it with you. I think it's interesting. I believe that is the biggest steel plant. And it, prior to the breakdown of the Soviet Union in the 80s, the word on the street was that it was sort of a Soviet black site where they would test weapons or develop weapons. And it has pretty much an underground city below it. I think that's important to note. It is also where the majority of fighters, be them mercenaries or the Ukrainian Nazi forces, are held up in that city. It is said that the Russian forces have it pretty much surrounded I saw some reports today of some civilians being allowed to evacuate. And there have been a large number of negotiations going on there to have people evacuated. Think about this phrase, a cave is a grave. So why would a thousand or potentially more, I think, the last report I heard was there was 1,500 soldiers, maybe 1,000 soldiers. Why would 1,000 soldiers who are clearly aware that a cave is a grave, why would they hold up in there when they knew it was certain death? Think about that for a minute. If you're going to retreat, are you going to retreat to an area where you know you'll certainly die? 
That doesn't seem like much of a retreat to me. There have been multiple reports of really high-ranking NATO officials, even American top brass, that are held up in that particular facility, which would give reason to some prior attempts to save people there. There have been reports saying that multiple attempts to free the quote-unquote civilians and people in the Azov stall steel plant have been taken. Two of them were by military helicopters, which were shot out of the air. Another was by a boat whose communications were intercepted and said something to the effect of, you know, calling, we're here to pick you up, or something like that. As of today, I did believe we saw some people being evacuated, mostly civilians and children. Now, I'm not saying I know what's going on there, but I want to read to you something that happened that I think is humorous in a, in a dark, dark way. And I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek. I don't think anything's funny about people dying. However, I think strategic communication can be funny. Funny in a way that is not ha-ha, but funny in a way like, look, I can get this information out regardless of what you do to me. And here's a message. Here's a message I think the Russians sent not only to America, to NATO, but to the people of the world. And you tell me what you think. Now, I've laid out to you that the Azov stall steel plant has, is a giant bunker underground. There's no escaping. The Russians have it completely sealed off. Remember, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. Underground bunker. Top secret black site. Officials underneath. Okay, that's what we have so far. Now I'm going to read you this article from the, from the Moscow Times. Okay, are you ready? Russia's federal security. Let me start that again. I'm sorry. Okay, there we go. Russia's Federal Security Service, FSB, has published the KGB's top-secret investigative file of Adolf Hitler's personal pilot, including his mugshot, it announced Friday. Documents from Hans Bauer's investigation file are being published for the first time. Lieutenant General Hans Bauer was the Nazi German leader's pilot for more than a decade and remained in his bunker until the final days of World War II in April 1945. Soviet soldiers captured Bauer on May 2, 1945 and brought him to Moscow to face trial for crimes against civilians and prisoners of war. He was sentenced to 25 years in prison in 1950, but was released in 1955. Bauer returned to West Germany in 1957 and died there in 1993. The declassified archive includes Bauer's arrest file, dated December 13, 1945, and his handwritten autobiography dated October 1, 1945, as well as his 12-page testimony provided on December 19, 1945. Having been at Hitler's disposal at all times, I was aware of the main events that took place until the ultimate collapse and full capitulation of Germany, Bauer said in his testimony. 
He detailed Hitler's 21-hour workweek schedule from 9 a.m. to 6 a.m. and his initially optimistic demeanor among close associates as Allied forces advanced toward Berlin from the east to the west. Bauer said he kept a fleet of several aircraft in case Hitler changed his mind and agreed to leave Berlin. Hitler let us know in the first days of April that he would remain in Berlin for a decisive battle there. We did not like that, Bauer's testimony read. It included accounts of senior officers and ministers fleeing in the ensuing days, being executed on accusations of betrayal, and the remaining officials in the bunker after Hitler's suicide there on April 3, 1945. Quote, Bauer, I want to say farewell to you and thank you for all your years of service. Unquote. The pilot recounted Hitler as saying that day, quote, try to get out of here. I'm going to read that last part again. Quote, Bauer, I want to say farewell to you and thank you for all your years of service. Try to get out of here, unquote. Isn't it interesting that the Russians declassify a file about an individual who knew there were high-ranking officials in the bunker. Isn't it interesting that the Russians declassified a file about a secret bunker while the Azov stall steel plant has a secret bunker with high-level officials in there. And isn't it the most interesting part to end not only the quote, but the article with this line, try to get out of here. Try to get out of here. Try to get out of here. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that is the comical part of Russia telling the world, we've got some fuckers pinned in this motherfucking place. They're not getting out of here. And the world will see what is going on underneath this steel plant. I think that there is a conglomerate of well-to-do business people, politicians from around the world that are guilty of child trafficking, money laundering, corruption, as well as harboring all kinds of chemical weapons as well as chemical weapon plants. And I think that the evidence is down underneath that plant. I think the Russians have it surrounded. And there's no way, with the exception of some sort of nuclear strike, that the West can stop Russia from revealing what's underneath the Azovstal steel plant. The question is, are there high-level American generals down there or lieutenants or are there high-level ranking officers from America as well as other countries like NATO underneath there? And are they going to get out of there? Are they going to commit suicide under there? Are they going to give up? Are they going to fight it out? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. And I... It makes me... I think it's interesting. I'm not sure what to make of that 
I'm not sure what the country will make of that when the evidence is without a doubt showing the corruption of American politicians taking money out of the Ukraine. We know for a fact that Joe Biden's son, John Kerry's son, both on the board of Burisma, were stealing an unfathomable amount of money. They were stealing the resource from that country. These are American oligarchs. John Kerry, Joe Biden, all of our presidents, all of the top-ranking senior government officials in our country have turned their back on the American people, especially the working class. If you are a senator, if you are a House of Representatives, it seems to me, in my opinion, that you hate the very people you claim to lead. You hate them with a passion. And so you'd rather steal money from other countries and put it in your own pocket. You'd rather do deals with arms dealers and the military-industrial complex and insurance companies and bankers than help out your neighbor. Like That's where we are in the world right now, where everyone in government, Everyone at a Fortune 500 company, board of directors, CEOs, all the insurance companies, all the banks, this group of people despise and hate the very people in their country that do not have the same amount of wealth as them. They despise it. They look at us as if we're subhuman. Oh, you drive a truck? Oh, you drive a tractor? Oh, you drive a cab? Oh, you're a nurse? Oh, you work at a restaurant? Oh, you're, you don't, you're not a banker? You don't work on Wall Street? You don't work in Washington, D.C.? Oh, you're not a Fortune 500 company? Oh, you don't have a startup? You see, I'm of the opinion that this division amongst Americans is being perpetrated on purpose. It's this idea of struggle between different races, different genders, and different age groups. But the real struggle is between classes. There is a class of people that are born into a world which most of us will never know. There is no social mobility. And when there is no social mobility, there is no chance for people to create a better life for themselves. Sure, you can, get, you can work extremely hard, sacrifice everything, and maybe get lucky. But that's not social mobility. Social mobility should be your ability to climb the ladder if you put in the time, you sacrifice. You should be able to move forward. Look at our banks. You have two, they, they target 2% inflation, and right now they're running at 8%. That's not an accident. That's the people in the banking industry trying to claw back consumer demand. That's the people in the banking industry trying to claw back more money for themselves, for the corporations, for the politicians, because they're losing control. I think we would be well better served in a class war than a race war or a gender war. I think we'd be much better served Worrying about our own criminals in our own country than worrying about Ukraine. What is it? like? The, all the Americans I know, we have no problem with Ukrainian people. We have no problem with Russian people. 
And it kills me to think that our politicians are raping other countries, stealing their resources, stealing their money, and lining their own pockets with it, and doing it in our name. There's real problems in your community. Every bullet, every dollar that goes to paying for a bullet could go to buying a brick to rebuild a school. How many schools have we built in Afghanistan? How much money have we just sent over to Ukraine when there's people living under bridges here? What's wrong with fixing our country? What's wrong with doing the right thing for our neighbor? What's wrong with having a message of unity played throughout the media? A lot of people remember after 9-11, there was a lot of rhetoric about being American or waving a flag or caring about your neighbor or putting aside petty disputes. And it was blared through every kind of media, be it social media, be it commercials or television or radio. And the country came together. On the opposite side of that, what you're seeing now is this, this rhetoric of division and the country is divided. It could be done if we had the ability to just turn inwards and seize the mechanism of communication. If all of us just to decide to put out good quality content that explains what's really happening. And if we can get that kind of content into the eyes and ears of the most vulnerable people, I think we could change the country we live in. You know, what about this? Why can you watch the Johnny Depp trial, but you can't watch the Ghislaine Maxwell trial? Why are Johnny Depp and Amber Heard all over? Why is it that you can watch that trial 24 hours a day? YouTube, Tumblr, Rumble, you can watch it everywhere. But you can't see anything about the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Why is that? Because there's real issues happening with the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. I don't even, I mean, is she even in jail? I don't know. What happened to Jeffrey? We don't even talk about him anymore. But what we do know is that there is evidence that could potentially be damaging to people in the political class, the business class, or the military industrial complex class, or the Wall Street class, or you know anything above the working class. And, and you, as someone who listens to this, you, as someone who works for a living, you do not have the right to listen to them. That's what you're being told. Well, that's what I got for today, ladies and gentlemen. I wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on in the world, what's going on on our stage, and what may be coming to a newspaper near you soon, hopefully, is the contents of what is underneath the Azovstal steel building. I pray that there is no more loss of life from anyone over there. But I also pray that BM, whoever they are, BM, NATO commanders, American commanders, or Russian commanders, or whoever is underneath that building using chemical weapons, or using that tunnel system for human trafficking, I pray to those people that are brought to light and given their day in court. That's what we got for today. Aloha. Let's get up and get at them. Aloha, everyone. 
Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge. And I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now. And it's been so rewarding to me that I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.